Welcome in, ladies and gentlemen, to episode number 105 of Let's Go Racing with David Starnes. I'm Will Jones, and we're so glad to have you with us. Coming up on today's show, we'll look back at the weekend that was at Atlanta. Also look ahead to COTA, the Circuit of the Americas course in Austin, Texas. We'll preview that weekend's race. We'll also go over the top headlines in the sport and uh, answer your questions in our Ask David segment coming up at the end of today's show. David Starr joins us as always. David was out in Atlanta this week and I saw the action up close and personal of Joey Logano's win. We'll talk about that here in just a second. David, how was the weekend out in Atlanta? Man, it was great. I I flew in Sunday morning. I was trying to get there for the truck race and Xfinity race, but didn't make it. Got there Sunday morning, and man, what a what an awesome Cup race it was! It was exciting at the end. Thought Brad Keselowski was going to get his first race, first win of the year, and uh, wasn't to be. Joey got it, but a uh, great, great, uh, great race, and uh, it was fun being there in Atlanta. And uh, man, it was uh, the fans were full, and uh, it was cold. But uh, it was an exciting race, that was for sure. Yeah, no doubt about it. Dominic, uh, here we are. Uh, this is the third race with uh, Atlanta doing this super speedway-style thing. And I got to tell you, I love it. It's it's exciting. Uh, I know that people love the old Atlanta, but this new era of race in Atlanta has uh, been certainly a lot of fun so far. It's been very fun. Very exciting for the fans to be able to watch. And let's be honest, the fans spoke up. They want more short tracks they want road courses they want super speedways and atlanta gives us that fifth and sixth super speedway race that nascar fans are craving and that racing was was awesome and i, and I gotta say too guys super speeder racing is always great you're always anticipating the big one but for the finish to not be determined by a crash and not have a big pile up and actually have the race naturally finish the way it did and in the last lap pass that atlanta finish tyler that's an instant classic yeah, it is. Uh, it is with uh, Joey Logano uh, getting by Brett Keselowski there at the end. We'll get to that here in just a second. But, David, uh, what do you think of that style of racing uh, of what Atlanta's producing here, of this super speedway uh, racing that we've seen in Atlanta now the last uh, three races? Uh, it's exciting. What, what what do you make of it? Well, I mean, the cars on top of each other, and, uh, and to me, the, the reaction you see from the fans, you know, um, it just seems like with the fan, the stands were pretty full. I don't know if it was a hundred percent full, but man, lots of fans, lots of uh, enthusiasm before the race, lots of excitement, and I think I think the fans are really digging it, you know. And and uh, uh, the racing is is almost. I mean, it looks like Talladega and Daytona, you know, a little different, but uh, but man, what an exciting race and the way the draft is and. And uh, you know, you watch a driver drop out of the out of the high line when everybody's running nose to tail to try to make a pass, and you know, if you don't complete the pass, you can you'll get freight train. You know, so I, for me, uh, I like it. I think it's exciting. It's fun. Uh, you know, and and it gives maybe some of the teams that you wouldn't really see running up front an opportunity to have a great finish or even win a race you know with the way the draft plays out but uh but to me i really enjoy, i like it a lot do you think david that we could see some more tracks go to the style i know that uh texas has talked about a uh, repave of some sorts in the in the future uh some of the other mile and a half tracks that are out there do you think they could do the same thing follow suit what atlanta does 
Well, I, you know, uh, it wouldn't surprise me if they did. Uh, you know, you know, you can't make all the half mile and a half tracks like Atlanta. I think, you know, uh, SMI and Marcus Smith, the, the Smith family did an exceptional job with Atlanta. Uh, you know, I, I love the old style. The track was wore out. And, uh, man, you really had to get on top of the race car and drive it and wrestle it. And uh, there was no grip. And uh, I like that style of racing, you know. And I didn't want to see them uh, repave the racetrack, you know. But, you know, when they finally made it their mind that not only were they going to repave it, they were going to reconstruct, you know, reconfigure it. Uh, man, they it was, the way they did it was spot on as far as I'm concerned. And, and uh, I wouldn't see, be surprised to see you know, I don't know if it, you know, whether it be Texas or some other mile and a half to, you know, if we see one do the same as Atlanta, I wouldn't be surprised because it is producing great racing. The fans love it. Well, Dominic, I was thinking about this. Um, what if you're a track, let's say, that that doesn't have a race right now, or maybe you've lost dates. Take example, I don't know, Kentucky. Maybe you are Nashville Super Speedway and you want to get Maybe a second race, or maybe Chicago Land comes back into the fold, but that seems unlikely with the Chicago Street race. What about one of these these races? I could see whether they're trying to get a cup date or trying to get a second date, whatever it may be. I could see them being aggressive and trying to do this type of thing to uh, to get NASCAR's attention of some sort. Well, at the end of the day, too, we have to remember that this this sport, this whole entire industry, it's driven by the fans. This sport is nothing without the fans and the tracks, the sanctioning body. People do listen. They do value the feedback that the fans have. And we do hear that the fans love this style of racing. And you bring up a great point with like a place like Chicagoland or Kentucky Speedway. Tracks that are off the schedule, they have nothing to lose. You might as well try something different. If you've had a little bit of budget or you have something you could work with there to, to be able to try and bring some fans back or bring, bring back a NASCAR sanctioned event, why not try what Atlanta's done? I, I, I've i said it before and I'll say it again on the show. I think it's amazing when you see the sanctioned body or tracks or just any kind of aspect of the sport, try something new, try something out of the box. And hey, it's a gamble. It may pay off. It may not pay off, but especially with a track like that, like that has been taken off the schedule or may want to keep a date. Maybe you don't jeopardize it. Maybe you, you try a gamble. That's hard to say, Tyler, but I feel like if you are going to try a gamble, that could be a way to go on it. The fans do seem to love the style of racing. Yeah, uh, it's been well re uh, received at this point, at uh, this time. Joey Logano gets the win. Uh, let's start with Joey here. First win of the 2023 season. Obviously, he won the Clash uh, the exhibition race to kick off the season, but now he gets this one in the win column, coming off his championship campaign there, led a lot of laps on Sunday. The Fords as a whole came back to form and were really fast. Dominic, uh, what would you make of what uh, Joey Logano was able to put together to get back in victory lane? Like we said at the beginning of the show, just the, the fact that the race ended with a natural finish and not some big wreck fest that ended up rebunching up the field. And yes, of course, those can be exciting too, but it's really cool to see a race play out, green flag runs, and to see what drivers have at the end. And we saw at the beginning of the weekend, Ford just flat out dominating qualifying, taking the top eight out of the 10 qualifying spots. And Fords looked like they were the A game this weekend. And I know it's super speedway style racing. It's not the intermediate and the short track. So we'll really see how the Fords stack up, especially at an event like this weekend upcoming at Coda. 
the road courses. But to see the way Ford worked well together with the different teams, with Team Penske, RFK Racing, we saw the Fords up front. That was no mistake. Stuart Haas Racing looking strong, too, and Kevin Harvick wrecking from the lead. The Fords brought their A game to Atlanta, Tyler, and it, and it showed. Joey Logano picked up win 32 of his career, and when you look at that from a historical aspect, that ties him and 1999 NASCAR champion, who was also a fellow Ford driver, Dale Jarrett, on the wins list. Isn't that crazy, David, that Joey's already tied with Dale Jarrett? I mean, here's a, a Hall of Famer in Dale Jarrett that had a phenomenal career. And Joey's already tied him on the wins list. Uh, I think Denny Hamlin was talking about this week on his podcast, Actions Detrimental, about where Joey belongs among the all-time greats, the Mount Rushmore of uh, NASCAR drivers. And I, I know that Joey's still got a long ways to go, uh, but, David, I think that it's time we start thinking about Joey among some of the all-time greats in this sport. I mean, Joey Logano's, man, he's one of the all-time greats. I mean, you look at the championships he's had. How many has he got? One or two? I mean, two already. I I don't know how old he is, but, man, the guy's on track to really, to you know, I, I think you're right. Uh, I think he will he will be a Hall of Famer. I mean, two cup championships, even if his career ended, you know, tomorrow, he's, he's you know, there's, there's people that don't even have one championship that that were superstars in the sport. So, uh, yeah, no doubt about it that, that Joey Logano is definitely uh, building a legacy here. Uh, I mean, just a great talent. Um, you know, you look at the Atlanta race Sunday, uh, you know, he was a dominant car from the time they dropped the green flag. Uh, you know, uh, and the uh, Penske cars were strong the entire race. But, man, at the end, when it came down to it, I was really surprised that he made the pass on the last lap. But he was pretty much the fastest car the whole race. And uh, – uh, but, man, it's just, you know, Joy Logano, the Penske organization, you know, they're just they're, – they're championship caliper, you know. And, and uh, you know, he's strong again in 2023. We're, none of us are surprised by that. But, uh, but man, uh, you know, uh, interesting that Denny, Denny was talking about, you know, uh, this guy's going to have a, a heck of a career. You know, we might see – you know, he might rank up there – you know, who knows uh, uh, with Jimmy Johnson, Richard Petty. I mean, you know, you never know. He's young enough uh, that that could possibly happen, you know. And and, and being a – driving for Roger Penske, that Penske organization, man, the sky's the limit for him, you know. Well, and uh, from a historical context, I think the best thing, Dom, you can say about Joey Logano is that he's good anywhere, right? He's already won the Daytona 500. He's won on – you know, the plate tracks, he's good on short tracks, mile and a half. Road courses, I guess, would be his weakness, but uh, only having one road course win in his career, that being at Watkins Glen several years ago. But even then, like, it's not like he runs bad at road courses. He's still consistently top 10 there uh, on these road courses. I mean, you're, you're talking about just a great all-around racer at Joey Logano, a threat everywhere he goes. Oh, 100%. And you look across his career, and especially since joining, ranks with Team Penske. He's won a points-awarding race in each of the last 12 seasons. So dating back to his last year at Gibbs in 12, transitioned to Penske in 2013, we have seen signs of Logano going out and leading over 1,000 laps in a year, winning four or five races. That doesn't always happen, but you can always count on Logano having a multiple-win season, two, three, maybe even four wins in a Cup Series season, and they're at the championship four or knocking at its door every year, it seems like, under this format. And 
I think two fans would appreciate knowing that he has made that championship for an even numbered years. So 14, 16, 18, 20, and 22. So maybe he breaks that this year, Tyler. I would not be surprised because Joey Logano is a very consistent driver, and it seems like time and time again, and he proved it on Sunday when it mattered most, he is the top performer for Ford Performance, if not one of the top performers for the Ford camp altogether. I would say, Dom, uh, I don't think it's stretch to call Joey Logano already probably one of the top 10 drivers in the history of the sport. And among active drivers, I'd probably put him, you know, his historical context, only second to Kyle Busch. I don't think you're off on that, man, because very rarely do you have, and, and Tyler, I would love to hear some examples you can think of in some other sports, but you hear about child prodigies, and very rarely does a child prodigy actually make it into their adulthood and just flourish in that industry. And the two that I think of are Lewis Hamilton, Formula One, and Joey Logano in NASCAR. The best thing since sliced bread. And those are the two that come to mind. Logano has lived up to the hype. Took a little bit to get going in the Cup Series, but here he is winning races, and that's all that matters. Well, and, and yeah, I mean, you look at that. You know, he, he got a win in his rookie season. Uh, his fourth year at Gibbs got a win, but ultimately got replaced by Matt Kenseth and really just took off when he got a fresh start at Penske and was not in the shadows of replacing a legend like Tony Stewart. Um, I mean – you, you talk about comeback stories and just where, where his career has flourished. Uh, I mean, David, uh, what, what a story it is for Joey Logano to be at this point, considering just how rough his career started. Yeah, but, you know, uh, you know, don't, no matter how it started and how rough it was, you look at how diverse he is. He, can, he wins on short tracks, wins on super speedways, has a road course win. You know, last year he won in one of the dirt dirt races at Bristol, the inaugural dirt race at Bristol. You know, so Joey just just an all around one of the all time best, and and you know where he ranks on that, I'm I'm not the one to make that decision, but he's way up there in the top ten, like you said, you know, and uh, but you know he's just so talented, you know. You always know that 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 Pensy car is going to be there at the end, you know, and again. You know, just watching just from Sunday's race, you, you guys saw how strong, strong he was the entire race, you know. So, uh, yeah, you know, he's he's always a threat to win the championship. He's a threat again this year in 2023 and will be again next year. I mean, uh, you know, so it be interesting to see how it all plays out. But, man, you know, the team is strong. He's strong, confident. I mean, it's just, you know, it's uh, – you know, it's going to be exciting to see how it all plays out. But, but uh, man, you know, again, Hall of Famer already. And with two two cup championships uh, with him already at a young age, you know, I, again, I don't know how old he is, but uh, but he's really pretty young still, you know, and has many, many more great years ahead of him. So uh, we'll be talking about Joey Logano for years and years to come. Yeah, we will. Uh, and uh... – you know, Joey, of course, runs Fords uh, for Penske, and and uh, what a story it was for Ford all weekend, David, the way they dominated in qualifying and in practice, the race itself. We mentioned with Joey winning. Um, let, let's start there, just on the Ford front. Um, it's all been about the Chevys and Hendrick the last few weeks, but, but David, the Fords found a way to break through. We knew it was a matter of time. It wasn't a matter of if, but when the Fords were going to catch up to speed. And here they are uh, this past week. That was a really good week for the Ford camp. 
It really was. And, you know, we we saw uh, several times, you know, the Penske cars were first, second and third. And and I remember looking up uh, one time and I think the top six were Fords, you know, and and I'm going to bring up Kevin Harvick. Uh, you know, you look back on the Phoenix race a couple weeks ago and, uh, you know, Kevin had a pretty healthy lead with about seven laps to go. Unfortunately, uh, Harrison Burton had a tire go down or something. He brought the caution out, and uh, uh, Kevin wasn't able to, uh, you know, to his pit stop, I think he put four tires on, others put two, and he came out a little bit further back and wasn't able to get his four back into victory lane. But, you know, uh, when the caution came out with seven laps to go, if the caution wouldn't have came out, we'd have probably seen Kevin Harvick in victory lane there at Phoenix. And then you look how strong the Fords were in Atlanta. And one that really comes to mind was Joey Logano and also how strong Harvick was. Y'all saw him leading the race and uh, him and Ross Chastain. Ross got a pretty good run coming through the trial, through the, the dog legs on the front straightaway, went into turn one and had a lot of momentum. I think somebody bump drafted him and just gave him so much momentum uh, uh, that Harvick was leading and Ross really was trying to figure out if he was going to go above Harvick, but ended up staying behind him, but, you know, kind of moving up and then coming back down on Harvick. Uh, it really took the air off the back of Harvick's car and Harvick crashed. But, you know, again, uh, Harvick driving for Stuart Haas, Ford organization, you know, they just been strong. You know, I, I see Kevin Harvick, you know, winning several races before the year's up because he's shown so much speed since the season started. Uh, but, but, but definitely, uh, you know, Kevin, Kevin has been strong since Daytona, the start of the season, the, uh, uh, you know, the, the Penske organization, obviously strong weekend and week out, but man, the Ford, the Ford cars, you know, again, uh, somewhat dominated the Atlanta race, but, you know, like you're saying, uh, Tyler, uh, you know, the Chevrolets, the last couple of races were dominating. So it's kind of interesting that, you know, week in and week out, uh, you know, no uh, depending on what racetrack they are, it's kind of interesting. The Chevrolets dominate this track, and the next week the Fours dominate, you know. So it's it's kind of interesting to see all that play out. Yeah. So with that said, Dom, you think there's pressure on Toyota now? We've seen 2311 has not been good this year. Um, you know, the, the Gibbs camp is still trying to find their footing of some sorts. Uh, how much pressure is there on Toyota now that Chevy and Ford seem to have things figured out? I feel like if the panic button was like right here, Toyota's like just hovering over, right? Cause it's five races in and we haven't seen a Toyota win a race yet this year. And, and I know we're still early, but the, even like looking at qualifying this weekend, watching that really closely, Tyler, and the fact that Ford just flat out dominated Atlanta. And yes, I know, super speedway racing, totally different animal. But the fact that you really didn't see anyone beyond Christopher Bell and Denny Hamlin really put fast laps together. I knew they weren't going to really be a factor working together that well on Sunday. And sure enough, it was the Ford teams. But man, I I, I got to wonder too, because you get to the Coke 600, and that's about halfway to where the playoffs We'll start for the Cup Series. And I feel like by then you have a really good sample size of where the manufacturers stack up, where the teams stack up. And we're getting to the Coke 600. We're already almost halfway there. And we're not really talking about Toyota's up front leading a lot of laps. Sure, they're clicking off top 10 finishes, but that's not what they're there for. 
they're there to win races. So that panic button's probably getting pretty close to getting picked there, Tyler. <laughs> yeah, and not to mention the fact that uh, what they worried, uh, you know, David Wilson talked about a they didn't want to face a pissed off Kyle Busch, and sure enough, we've already seen Kyle <laughs> Busch find success this year. Uh, racing against pissed off Kyle Busch has not been good for them. So uh, it's very interesting. On the Ford front, David, Brad Keselowski had a really good run, had a chance to win. You could you could say he should have won on Sunday, but ultimately lost the lead in the last lap. Went winless last year. RFK Racing really just struggled as a whole in their first year there last year. Uh, we did see Chris Busher get a win there at Bristol, which was the only win that they had there, but neither team made the playoff. Now you look ahead to 2023 here, and uh, Brad with a good run here. Do you think uh, RFK is uh, going to get things on track? you think this is going to be a bounce-back year for Brad here? I really think so. I mean, it's been impressive uh, since the season started in Daytona. Uh, Brad and, 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 and uh, uh, Chris have shown a lot of speed, and I've been really – Paying attention to the, uh, you know, to the Roush cars and, and uh, but man, Brad, I mean, is the, I think that's probably the, uh, the surprise of the year. You know what I mean? How well and how they turned around that program since last season. And so, uh, you know, Brad was, Brad led a lot of the race. He ran up front pretty much the entire race and, and again, took the white flag leading the race, you know, and, uh, you know, he could have easily, uh, you know, uh, I think Joey got a, a really good push coming through the uh, the try the front you know, dog leg, and uh, you know, and and really, I thought uh, Brad was going to block him a little bit harder, a little bit more aggressive, but he kind of left the outside open, and man, Joey took it. Next thing you know, Joey had the lead going down the back straightaway, coming to the checkered, you know, so it, it was exciting. Uh, but, uh, but, you know, those, uh, Brad's Brad and, and, uh, his team, they have a lot of momentum and, uh, man, I'm really, uh, surprised on how well they've been running, uh, compared to last season in a short period of time. They've really turned that program around in a short period of time and, and will be, uh, interesting to see how they do this weekend on the road course at Coda. Yeah, for sure. You know, Dom, I, I think of, uh, Brad, kind of like uh, Russell Wilson, right? Russell Wilson spent all those years with the Seahawks, goes to the Broncos last year, had a disappointing season, didn't meet expectations. Now they got a new head coach in Sean Payton this year. They're looking to turn things around and get Russ back on track. Look at Brad, had all that success at Penske, steps away from his comfort zone, goes to RFK Racing. They really struggled, had a down year. To me, that's that's what I, I kind of feel like. Uh, it reminds me of like, like Russell Wilson. Well, I've always loved the fact that Keselowski was willing to take that leap of faith, Tyler. I love that great comparison, by the way. Russell Wilson, past champions, et cetera, trying something new. I love the fact that Brad Keselowski, early in his cup career, much before he ever won a cup championship, said that he wanted to be an owner in the cup series someday. And he finally had that opportunity to be able to do what he's doing with RFK Racing. And last year, okay, they, they ran well at Daytona. And I think they set my expectations a little too high, leading the most laps, et cetera. And then they get hit with the 100-point penalty. I think he has five top 10 finishes on the entire year. This year, however, we're looking at Brad Keselowski leaving Atlanta this time around. Recall that last year at this point, they get hit with that 100-point penalty, $100,000 fine, et cetera, and they're 31st in points. This time around, Tyler, fifth in points. He has a 58-point cushion 
over the playoff cut line right now. And, and to put that number in perspective, you can make up as many as 59 points in one points race on any deficit. We're not going to count the Coke 600. That's 69 points because of the extra stage. But nice. Very nice. But outside of that, 59 points is the most you can make up in one race. We're already five races in, and he has that much of a margin. That six car is here to stay, Tyler. I would be very shocked at this point if that number six team, number one, doesn't win a race this year, but number two doesn't qualify for the playoffs just on points alone. Yeah. Um, speaking of teams with uh, manufacturers and partnerships, we didn't get a chance to touch on this because we were off last week. The Hendrick organization, um, without all their crew chiefs this past week, didn't perform that well. Um, obviously, they're in the appeals process and all that. We heard the interview Jeff Gordon had pre-race. He was uh, very upset with how things were handled. We know, of course, about Chase Elliott uh, with the injury he's dealt with. Um, things were going really good for Hendrick to start the year, in particular for that 2014 with William Byron. But uh, now, David, here they are, and uh, they got some adversity they're dealing with here uh, that, that's that's come up between Chase Elliott being out and then now the, these these points and these crew chiefs suspensions and everything. I mean, uh, this is uh, going to be some trials and tribulations here for, for Hendrick. They're going to have to power through. Yeah, maybe they're a little bit uncharted territories, but, man, you did say Hendrick Motorsports. You can't ever count them out, you know. I mean, they – They'll they probably have, win with interim crew chiefs, in all honesty. Absolutely. You know, and, and I, I was uh, – I stopped uh, – I, I saw Chad uh, Nouse in the garage on Sunday. He was speaking to somebody. I, I had to meet somebody, but I waited there for about two minutes because I wanted to talk to Chad real quick, but he was in pretty depth conversation. And uh, so I had to go on to meet who I was going to meet with and didn't get to talk to Chad, but I was just curious – of, uh, you know, it's it's interesting uh, that the confiscated parts off the Hendrick cars last week, and then they turn around and win the race and run not just win the race, kind of, I think they finished first and second, uh, you know, and uh, so it tells me whatever NASCAR confiscated, uh, you know, really didn't affect the performance of their cars, you know what I mean? And then, and then you guys might know a little bit more about it because I hadn't kept up with it good enough to really speak about it. But, you know, I think that what I'm hearing is, uh, you know, they bought the parts and pieces from the same same place everybody else buys the parts and pieces, you know. And, and, um, and uh, you know, NASCAR saw something, maybe it was modified or, or, or a little bit different. And, uh, and it's interesting to hear that, and, and, and correct me if I'm wrong, uh, the, the Hendrix uh, organization are saying, hey, we bought it, took it out of the box, put it on the race car. You know what I mean? So how, you know, maybe there's a quality control issue with, with parts, you know what I mean? So it's an interesting story that I really don't know enough about to speak about. But what little I know, it sounds like I'm on the right track. And could you guys help me elaborate on that a little bit? Go ahead, Dominic. Well, my understanding, right, with the, the fact that NASCAR said that the parts were modified, they, they were the louvers on, on the hoods of the vehicles, and that Chad Knauss had said that they took the teams, because NASCAR had opened up some sort of like voluntary inspection process during practice or after practice Friday at Phoenix, and that's when the issue was found. And to my understanding, that's what's causing a lot of the confusion. Well, hey, we wanted to make sure we're in compliance. 
these parts were not in compliance. They were confiscated. Not only were they confiscated, but were penalized 100 points across all four teams in the monetary fine. Let's be honest, that's a lot of money, but not, that's a drop in the bucket for Hendrick Motorsports. They're more concerned about the fact that they're losing out on points with owners and drivers' points, and now all of their drivers are in a hole. So my, I think there's the disconnect there, is that the fact that they voluntarily came to make sure that they were in compliance, were told they weren't in compliance, and the parts were taken and these penalties were handed down. Tyler, David, I feel like when this does move to appeal, which is going to probably happen here in the next couple of weeks, and, and it's not happening as fast because it's not during the playoffs, right? Regular season, we still have a little bit of time to work with. I feel like some of this will get rescinded because of the fact that it was a voluntary thing and that Hendrick Motorsports was being proactive. Well, and, and on top of that, too, you make a great point with the voluntary thing. But let me add, David, my biggest issue with how NASCAR has handled these penalties. Dominic, remind the folks at home, how many points can you earn in a race? Up to 60 points. 60 points. 100-point penalties. So would it have been better had they just not shown up? I mean, to me, that's just ridiculous. 100-point penalties when you can only earn 60 in a race. Would it have been better if they would have just started and parked? Would you like that too, NASCAR? I mean, like, come on here. To me, I thought 100 points was just absurd considering that you could only earn 60 in a race. I, I thought this was way over the top on NASCAR's part, David. Yeah, it, it, it's interesting, and, and I, I'm learning just listening to y'all speak about it because, again, I did, I haven't followed it too close. But, you know, from what I understood, and, and now Dominic uh, uh, helped me understand some, it was a voluntary, you know, I guess, after practice, before practice, whatever you said, Dominic, uh, you know, that if you had any questions about this or that or, you know, you can voluntarily say, hey, NASCAR, inspect us for us, you know, and when a racing team, an organization like Hendricks says, hey, can you look at this? What y'all's thoughts? And the next thing you know, they get these big fines and penalties and docked all these points, you know. Uh, you know, so it's very interesting, uh, uh, you know, if you think if somebody's modifying a parts for a uh, competition advantage, you wouldn't go voluntary ask the officials, hey, come inspect this. You know what I'm saying? So it's it's very interesting, you know, that, uh, again, uh, if you buy, everybody has to buy the same lubers from the same place or, or what, whoever the OEM or whoever you buy it from. And, and we know that all the parts and pieces for the new next-gen race car are bought. You can't modify anything. Uh, and, you know, maybe there's a quality control issue that, you know, whoever's manufacturing them, you know, they're not all just spot on the same, you know, and it's it's going to create, it's interesting to see how this plays out and see what the findings are, you know, if, if Hendricks got this big fine and docked all these points and the crew chiefs are suspended for three races or whatever, or whatever the suspension is, uh, and then you know, what is the investigation? You know, is, is NASCAR going to look into it and say, hey, you know, how do you retract a big fine like that if you find that the quality control of these parts and pieces that the teams are buying, they're they're not spot on, 100% spot on because the quality of the, the CNC or whoever's manufacturing is not the best. It's gonna. It's interesting to me how how it's all gonna play out. You know, it's intriguing and, and interesting to to see how all it, how it all works and how it all plays out. 
Yeah, yeah, it is. Speaking of penalties, we'll uh, we'll talk about a certain Xfinity driver in our uh, news and notes segment coming up later in a, a penalty that was handed down to him. We also have an announcement on that we'll get to later. Um, before we get to that, though, in our news and notes, let's look ahead to Coda this week. David, this is like your your second home track of sorts, uh, Circuit of the Americas uh, here uh, in Austin. Uh, this is going to be the third year NASCAR's been there. Track is very young. Um, it is the official home of F1 in the United States um, and has had a lot of success with Formula One over the years. NASCAR has been very successful, too. Had a lot of people that have shown up the last couple of years. Um you know, last year's race was so exciting with Ross Chastain getting his first career win. You and I were there. We saw it firsthand. I mean, it was just an incredible race. And, I mean, this is a demanding course. You, you've you've taken laps around this place. I mean, this is not an easy place for these drivers to drive, but it makes it entertaining, makes it fun to watch for the fans at home uh, of the challenges this track presents to the drivers here, David. Man, uh, Tyler, you're right. It's it's very technical, and it's not an easy track. But that being said, it does create great racing. I mean, the races we've seen last year were just over the top exciting, you know. And uh, you know, and and you know, you look at the guys in the Cup Series that are just all around great race car driver. Ross Chastain, I was so impressed with him. And the way he raced the track, and I mean, it was just amazing. You know, it used to be where you had these road racing ringers come in, and who would take place of, of different drivers because they were road racing aces. You know, but man, our our current, you know, our our, our guys that race full times in Xfinity Series, Truck Series, and the Cup Series, man, these guys are good. And uh, even though, like you mentioned, that this Arcoda track here in Austin, Texas is very challenging and very technical. It produces great racing, man. I'm excited to go down there and watch the races because, I mean, I think we're going to see another exciting finish, you know. And uh, I don't know. I'm just – I'm excited to have another cup venue in Texas, the state of Texas, and I think the fans are showing NASCAR that they really love our NASCAR stock car racing here in the state of Texas. And, uh, you know, I, I think it's going to be a great weekend of, of great racing. And, and uh, you you know, we know next week in our podcast, we're going to be talking about one heck of a race that happened at, at, at Coda. Well, and uh, Dominic, you know, I, I look at this, you know, Texas had two races for a long time. And, you know, David will, will tell you that this, this date is Texas's date, you know, here at, at Coda. But the product that they've put on, you know, it's it's all run by the Texas Motor Speedway people, but they have done such a good job with this Coda track, and attendance has been so good and so exciting here. Um, I know that the Coda contract is kind of year by year, but I hope they never leave Coda. I mean, this is a worthwhile investment by NASCAR, by SMI, for the powers that be, to, to take over the home of F1 in the U.S., it, it almost feels like when NASCAR first came to Indianapolis Motor Speedway and how great that was, I feel like we're getting that almost you know similar effect of some sorts when NASCAR comes to the home of F1 here. Dude, that's a great comparison, 100%. And I think it speaks volumes when you have guys that are highlighting the entry list this week and Formula One champions, Tyler, they're running this event this weekend. That speaks volumes of what NASCAR is doing with this event. 
drivers like Jensen Button running the 15 car. We're going to have Jordan Taylor in the nine. I know he's not F1, but filling in for Chase Elliott. We're going to have some great, great drivers in the field. And, and that's not done by accident. That's not designed by accident. NASCAR is doing something right here with the road course racing. And it goes back to that theme of talking about what the fans want, what the fans want to see. NASCAR has certainly appealed to that. Yeah, uh, and uh, even the branding side of it, you know, it's the Eco Park Automotive Grand Prix. Um, you know, I mean, just adding that to it. We mentioned the F1 drivers that are going to be in this. Jordan Taylor, one of the best sports car racers in the world. Um, David, th this has a big event feel to it. It really does. And, and uh, you know, Tyler, we were there last year and just the – the audience, the the energy in the air, the the race, it it it's a it's a spectacle, man. It's a great event, and man, they uh, it's exciting, and uh, man, it, it did not disappoint, man. It, it delivered a a hell of a race last year, and uh, you know, after seeing and witnessing what we saw last year with Ross Chastain winning his first Cup race and the excitement behind that and then in the in the in the manner that he wanted he fought and beat and banged and and uh come out victorious it, it was just man the the people were on their on the edge of their seats and it was so exciting and, and uh again I think the attendance is really going to be uh over the top this 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 weekend and uh I'm looking for the same things to happen, you know. So uh, I hope that this event is here to stay for many, many years. I know it's the home of, of F1 here in America. But, man, NASCAR is making a run. Uh, I mean, just as exciting as F1 races. I've never been to an F1 race at COTA. But uh, the excitement and all the people that attend it, you know, I'd, 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 I'd be willing to bet throw up uh, the, the, the NASCAR races here at COTA is just as good or more exciting than the F1. Yeah, yeah, it, it's awesome. And the, uh, what is it, the, the Paragon that they have there? Um, I mean, the, the the suites and party scene right above Pit Road. I mean, there's nothing else like it at NASCAR because it's an F1 track. It's so unique. It's, it's an awesome experience. If you haven't been in this race, you need to. One uh, interesting factor involved this weekend, um, there's about a 50% chance of rain in the forecast on Sunday. But NASCAR does have a road course rain tires package, which has been kind of hit and miss from so far what we've seen. But Goodyear seems a little more confident in their uh, rain package, so much so they're even talking about using it on short tracks this year. Well, I don't know if Cole Custer and Martin Truex would agree with you from the whole hit or miss thing. It was mostly hit for them at this place a couple of years ago. But if rain is added to the race and we have that element to just add another layer of excitement and drama, well, let's see what happens. But, man, the, the forecast is something we have to watch for. And now we saw this race in 2021 get a little dicey with the rain and the rain tires and the drama of putting on the sticker tires and the rain tires and guys coming in during green flag runs. And, oh, yeah, this will be the first race since stage racing has been introduced that we will not have cautions for the stage breaks. That's going to be God. really exciting to see how that works out this weekend, too. Thank God, because that was like throwing strategy off um, <laughs> and was just a mess, you know, trying to get these stage cautions in. Thank goodness there it's it's over with. With that said, uh, let's let's pick some winners here. Guys, uh, I wore the track house hat tonight for good reason. Ross got his first win here last year. He he's about to drop the watermelon like three hundred some feet from that tower. Um, he's been fast. Chevy's been good. 
Ross wins again at Coda. Uh, he's my pick this week. Going with Ross Chastain. How about you, David? Man, I, I uh, yeah, y'all caught me off guard there. I, I, uh, you know, you, you, you know, you got to think that Ross Chastain's a favorite after, you know, the, uh, the the exciting battle they had last year. Who? Who was it that he was battling with that there were three of them just racing hard? Who were the other two? I'm trying to remember. Lomendinger and Bowman, right, Tyler? Yes. Yeah. You can never count out A.J. Lomendinger because, man, he's Mr. Excitement on these road racing uh, courses. And, and just uh, knowing that A.J.'s in the race uh, with the team he's with, colleague, I'd have to go with A.J. Lomendinger myself. Not Kevin Harvick. Okay. No, no. Um, Even though Harvick's been fast since since the start of the season, you know, I'm going to have to go with uh, – you know, I don't think the, the road courses are Kevin, Kevin Harvick's start, strong suits. You know what I mean? I think if you had a weakness for Kevin, it's probably the road courses. <laughs> okay. So uh, we got David did not pick Kevin Harvick. Goes with A.J. Allmendinger. And that'd be interesting, uh, Dom, because that would put colleague – in the chase, in theory, for the first time in uh, that team's career. Who do you got? Well, I, I'm going to sound like a copycat. I was really hoping David would pick Kevin Harvick like he does every week. But, no, I'm going <laughs> to have to go A.J. Allmendinger, too. I think he gets redemption for what happened last year on the last lap in that battle with Alex Bowman, Ross Chastain. I think A.J. Allmendinger picks up that third career win. All of his career wins in the Cup Series have come – at road courses, and I I don't see that changing past this weekend. But I I do agree with you. He gets that win, David and Tyler. Like you said, it will be Colleague Racing's first playoff berth in the Cup Series. Yeah, there you have it. Uh, with that said, time for uh, news and notes, the latest happenings around the sport. Dom, take it away. Oh man, Tyler, where do we start? Right? We were talking about where we're going to go this direction at the beginning of the show. Man, I I think kind of just building off what we're talking about, the road course racing and track house racing, and you've got the track house hat. Let's go there. Let's start there. Justin Marks said earlier this week on Sirius XM Radio that the Project 91 team track house is going to be running multiple races in 2023. Now, during the interview, he didn't specify with the Godfather where those races are going to be or who's going to be in the vehicles, but we know that this program is tailored around international drivers and he did not rule out the possibility that Kimi Rankin could be back behind the wheel of the 91 before, or for some more races. He was in this 91 car at Watkins Glen last year, the debut of this program, and he's willing the 91 at Coda this weekend, but maybe some more drivers get in that rotation. It'll be interesting to see what races they pick up with the 91 team. Yeah, David, uh, the, the that 91 car, I know it's hard to make money in this sport not having a charter, but uh, pretty exciting for that uh, 91 car to see what type of names they're going to put in with an emphasis on road courses. Yeah, you know, it's it, it just goes to show you how, how strong and exciting our, 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 our sport is worldwide. You know, I mean, you, you hear of the, the F1 drivers that are competing in this weekend's cup race at Coda, and you look at what Trackhouse is doing with the 91 car, and the interest that I'm sure that Justin Marks and Trackhouse is getting from former and and current F1 drivers to step into NASCAR and try their hands at it. You know, it just shows you how popular and how strong uh, NASCAR racing is all over the world. And, and I think it says the volumes about our sport. 
Let me give you two names potentially to watch, and I don't have any inside information or anything like that. Just make that clear. Dom, we know Elio Castroneves really wants to get in a cup car. Uh, he was trying to get a Daytona 500 ride, but it didn't work out. I think he's a name to watch that 91. And then here's another one, kind of off the wall. Tony Kanan, I think, could be an interesting possibility. We've seen him do the SRX thing, kind of like what Elio has done. Uh, he's had very much an interest in NASCAR for a long time. He's been really good at road courses. I think those two could be potential good fits for that 91. Man, Tony Kanan on a road course like Sonoma or Watkins Glen, I'd love to see what he could do on a stock car. You know that car would be an instant top 15 contender. Yeah, for sure. What else we got going, Don? Well, we're going to pull some more news here from Sirius XM Radio as well. Alton Sawyer, one of the NASCAR officials who's been doing a lot of media this year, formally announced this week that the NASCAR Cup Series, Xfinity and Truck Series, the restart zones that were extended in 2023 is short-lived. We're going back to what we saw in 2022. So Elton Sawyer, the VP of competition, announced at the beginning at this weekend's races at the Circuit of the Americas, NASCAR is going to return its 2022 restart zone lengths. So for context, these zones were extended a little bit. The thought was maybe to add a little bit of excitement. But Sawyer did say that drivers and dialogue just really showed that they didn't get what they were thinking they were going to get out of this deal. So to make a long story short, lasted five races. We're going back to what we've seen with the restart zones for years. David, uh, I know that you're in the race car and everything, but I'll be honest, as a viewer, I didn't even know the restart zones had changed. Uh, <laughs> is that something that you think is a big deal at all? No, I, you know, me, I didn't even know it had changed, you know, and I'm out there competing, you know. I mean, you know, when my spotter, when they're throwing, when the, the green flag drops, restarts, I mean, I'm, I'm, Dude, I'm got. I'm trying to get a uh, trying to get a run on the car in front of me. You know, I'm trying to get a hell of a restart to 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 advance my position on the restart. You know, it's exciting, but you know, I didn't even know that they were trying something different. That's how. I guess that's how important it was. I mean, you know, if they extended the restarts restart zone, I I wasn't aware of it, and uh, you know, and and you know, I. I I commend NASCAR for trying something. I've been trying all kinds of stuff, but you know, that one, you know, I, I'm not real sure if we really need to mess with that. You know, a restart zone is a restart zone. You know, you don't need to lengthen it or shorten it, you know, just whatever it is. They just need to leave it alone. You know, I don't think there's any magic in lengthening it or shortening it. You know, I mean, once they dropped a green flag, all hell breaks loose and we're all trying to advance our, our spot, you know, to our starting to race. So, yeah, I don't think it's that big of a deal, uh, personally. And I think, too, Teller, just to kind of add a little more context to it, drivers were saying there was a lot of cat-and-mouse games going on in the restart zones. And I think what really made this even bigger was that 10-car crash that we saw in the Cup Series race at Fontana. It was because, again, drivers were saying there was a cat-and-mouse game going on inside the restart zone. Are they going? Are they not going? And it would create accordion effects, and that's what caused that big crash on that restart. As long as they don't bring back the overtime line, that was an awful idea uh, years ago. Just don't don't bring that back, uh, and that's all I care about. Uh, Dom, yes. what else we got? <laughs> I agree with you on that, too. Don't mess with NASCAR overtime. I think overtime is perfect the way it is. You've said it best. That's the best overtime in professional sports. Hey, can I just say this? Let's just stop. Don't mess with anything. Leave it alone, you know. Man. <laughs> yes. <It's going> great, <laughs> you know? <laughs> yes. Agreed. Well, looking in retrospect at this weekend's NASCAR Cup Series action at Atlanta Motor Speedway, ratings were down again for not the first time this year. 
According to Adam Stern with the Sports Business Journal, he's the first to mention in news bits that Fox earned a 1.95 rating, which averaged about 3.4 million viewers for Sunday's race. The new Atlanta, but that's down from a 2.36 rating in 2022, or about just over 4 million viewers. And when you look at that from a percentage standpoint, Tyler, the ratings were down 15% last year compared to this year. But are we comparing apples and oranges? Or are, 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 well, how do you look at these numbers? See, okay, so where here's where it's unfair. You had novelties last year, a brand new Atlanta, a brand new uh, clash at the Coliseum. That's where it's not quite fair. I will say this, though. Um, you look at motorsports numbers across the board, I think they kind of hit a ceiling of some sorts. Remember, we've talked about for the last couple of years, F1 being on this rise of ratings and, oh, are they going to catch up to NASCAR and all this? Well, F1's ratings are down, actually, from what they were a year ago. They're not bad by any means. Same with NASCAR. NASCAR's ratings aren't bad. But they kind of, you know, plateaued a bit here. And, I mean, that's natural. I, I I wouldn't read into it too much. The one thing I would say, Dom, is for NASCAR's standpoint, they're about to enter TV negotiations. And it's not necessarily the best of look when your ratings are down even just a little bit when you're trying to negotiate and get more money in a TV deal. I feel like, yeah, you're, you're losing some bargaining chips or some bargaining power or maybe a little bit of leverage that you have at that table. Hey, the ratings are starting to trickle a little bit down. Maybe the networks can come in and have a little bit more of an advantage. That'd be my guess. And uh, on top of that, too, ESPN, who's expected to be a uh, potential TV partner, uh, is about to announce a, a lot of layoffs here in the uh, next several days. So um, that doesn't bode well for uh, trying to get potentially ESPN involved. So uh, we'll see what happens when uh, that all plays out uh, as far as that goes there. But, I mean, even with that said, I mean, David, you're watching. Dominic's watching. I mean, you know, we're, we're, we're going to find a way to – the diehard fans are going to be watching these races no matter what. So, we'll see. What else – let's – Let's, let's get to the good stuff. Get to the Josh Williams stuff. Dave. There we go. I buried the lead, of course. And I didn't <laughs> do that by accident today, guys. I saved the, the juiciest for last week. Because we do have a little bit more to, to share on this as well. But NASCAR on Tuesday evening did finally announce what the fate of NASCAR Xfinity racer Josh Williams' fate would be in the series. Recall that on Saturday in the Xfinity race, Josh Williams was told to park his vehicle after some fair bond off his damaged vehicle came onto the track, extended the caution, in the NASCAR rulebook that it was up to the discretion of the boot or the tower rather to decide do you get lap penalties, do you get a time penalty, or you park. The call was to park Josh Williams. So Williams parked his car at the start finish line as opposed to pulling in the garage area and walked off, similar fashion of Antonio Brown with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, as, as I was calling it. But NASCAR announced that Josh Williams, he will not face a points penalty or a monetary fine, but he is taken out of the 92 vehicle this weekend at the Circuit of the Americas Road Course Race. Alex LeBay, who has been a DGM racing staple with that team for years, will fill in in the 92 car this weekend. Yeah, and, uh, you know, Denny Hamlin had offered to pay his fine. Uh, if he got fined, ultimately he does it. David, what was your reaction to uh, the events that unfolded on Saturday with uh, Josh Williams there? Well, you know... Uh, you know, I understand it's frustration. You know, you're talking about small team just doing to do the best they can do, having a decent run, got caught up in a wreck, and just trying to finish the race and uh, patching up a car with Barry with the, the with the Barry Bond stuff. Uh, 
it was cold outside, so I don't think the Barry Bonds was sticking as well as it should have because of the temperature of the evening. Uh, I don't know. You know, uh, our fans want to see race cars on the racetrack. Uh, you know, it was it was a call from the booth. Uh, I kind of I kind of applaud Josh. You know what I mean? It's like, man, if you're gonna kick me out of the race, I'm gonna park it on the start finish line and get out. You know, and uh, you know, I, I I like the message he was sending. Uh, you know, unfortunately, uh, when you're trying to send a message to NASCAR. <laughs> You know, uh, they, they don't sit very well with them. You know, we it's their sport. They make the rules. Uh, they interpret the rules like like they want to. And, uh, you know, so is 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 fun, interesting uh, as Josh made it to park his car to start finish line and get out and wave to the fans. I thought that was really unique and a cool way of saying, hey, shove it up your rear end, you know what I mean? And, uh, uh, you know, respectfully, you know, respectfully, but I, I think it's really cool. I like what he did. Uh, he disagreed with them and he let them know that he disagreed with them uh, somewhat respectfully, uh, you know, so instead of the race going back green, they had to wait a couple laps, get a tow truck out there. I, I thought it was cool, you know, but you knew at the end of the day, uh, that that wasn't going to play out in Josh Williams' favor. You know, you you knew that. And uh, uh, But, you know, I like the signal. I like the message he was sending to NASCAR. Say, hey, guys, we're a small team. You know, we're not one of the powerhouse teams. You know, we're doing the best we can do. And give us a break, man. It was just, you know, no harm, no fouls. Yeah, we got stuff flapping around, but. You know, it was Barry Bonds that flew off the car. Uh, I think NASCAR would have really considered uh, what was happening. They should have gave him an opportunity to pull down pit road and to make some repairs real quick and let Josh get back on the track. And they made a decision to just throw him out of the race. So, you know, a small team like that, finishing races, even if it's not the finish that you were hoping for, at least you finish the race, you gather up some points, you make a little bit more money. That's a big deal for us, for a lot of the smaller teams. So I, I really like how he handled it, uh, even though that, you know, he's being handed a one-race suspension, which he probably wasn't going to run the Coda race anyway. But, uh, but anyway, it was kind of cool. A lot of people are talking about it. I loved it. It was exciting. It was different. It was just neat deal. <laughs> well, and Dominic, uh, I mean, we mentioned for a small team, the publicity this thing got. I mean, they're getting a ton of attention on social media. They're selling T-shirts off this galore. I mean, in all honesty, it's kind of working out as well as it really could have for Josh Williams, especially if he wasn't going to run a Coda anyway. Exactly. You're getting attention and – Nobody's going to necessarily remember the good or the bad from. They're going to remember the name though that comes out of this. And I think Adam Stern with the Sports Business Journal had said to, <clears throat> excuse me, had said too, that Saturday compared to Tuesday, he had doubled his Twitter followers. He had something like twelve thousand five hundred. He's well over twenty five thousand at the time of the taping of this show. He's picked up a huge following. You know those sponsors are going to want to only be a part of him even more so, right? And uh, with that, we'll. Uh... We should be hearing more from uh, Josh Williams, Tom. 
Absolutely. So we have a special treat for you guys next week. We are happy to confirm and announce Josh Williams will be the guest on episode 106 of Let's Go Racing with David Starr. So he gets out of jail, I guess you could say, next week, and he will be on the show joining us, I'm sure, to break down a little bit more in a, a week to digest what had happened in Atlanta. It's going to be a fascinating conversation. David, uh, what are you going to want to ask Josh Williams uh, about everything that went down this past week? Well, I mean, you know, it just, you know, I loved I, I love I love what he did, you know, and he's such a cool dude. He's a great race car driver, you know, and uh, nobody's given Josh Williams anything. He works hard. He goes out, hustles sponsors, and uh, man, he's you know he's he's like any other short track racer in America, trying to make a name for themselves in NASCAR. And and you know he wasn't born with a silver spoon in his mouth, and you, you got to respect his ability and respect what he's done uh, uh, as a race car driver at the top level in NASCAR Xfinity Series because uh, it hasn't been easy, you know. And uh, But I respect his his ability. Uh, obviously, if he's driving one of uh, Dell Jr.'s cars, I think Josh Williams could win races, uh, but that's not the case. And the sponsors he has, you know, goes out and hustles great sponsors and uh, – and, which gives him an opportunity to showcase his talent and make a living racing cars in the NASCAR Xfinity Series. So I think it's a cool thing. And just, you know, I've known him for many years. And uh, just be kind of cool to learn a little bit more about Josh Williams behind the, you know, uh, you know, like we always do when we have a, we have guests to just learn, you know, hey, you know, what his background looked like, what, you know, where he came from and, what you know, how he got interested in NASCAR racing and racing in general. It just it's gonna be cool to have him on our podcast. We've been buddies for years, but I really don't know, you know, his story on how he made it to NASCAR, you know, and, and man, like you guys know, you learn a lot about people when you have them on the podcast and, and and you can you know when we ask them, hey, take us back to the beginnings, you know, and it's always intriguing and, and interesting to hear people's stories. And I'm excited about Josh next week. Oh, yeah. That'll be a lot of fun for sure. Before we go, time for our Ask David segment. You can hit us up on social media, Twitter, at Star Podcasts. Uh, also on Facebook, uh, Star Podcasts, and by email, davidstarpodcasts at gmail.com is where you can find us there. And to send in your questions, we'll answer them each and every week. Our first question in the inbox this week comes from Patrick. Patrick wants to know, David, what goes on during the driver's meetings? Well, I mean, it's uh, it's been a couple of years before when you know when COVID hit, uh, you know, and racing stopped, and we went back to racing. Our drivers meeting virtual now. You know, we we get them over our phones and we review all the rules and regulations of a race uh, virtually uh, uh, on our on our on our on our uh, on our phones. But you know, before it went virtually uh, virtual. Uh, we would meet in a driver's uh, in a in a, uh, in a building there at the racetrack. We'd have a driver's meeting. Uh, crew chiefs would be there, the drivers, mandatory. And you would just go over all the rules, the pit stop rules, uh, you know, when the, uh, when, when the segments were going to be, uh, you know, uh, the, the race director, Wayne Auden, would go over, you know, some of the do's and don'ts uh, of the race, uh, you know, let's see what well, was in bounds, out of bounds. And they'd give you a warning, warning maybe if you was at Talladega and Daytona, it's like, hey, this is your warning 
if you advance your position or block somebody and go underneath the yellow line, you will be penalized a lap. This is your warning now. So, you know, they just really go over the procedures and processes of the race and the driver's meeting. And, and they were always really cool. Uh, uh, it was always cool for our sponsors to attend. You know, a lot of our sponsors would come and they were like, man, that was the coolest thing, you know, seeing all the crew chiefs and all the drivers in there. And then, having the race director really go over the procedures and process of the event. You know, I always thought it was kind of cool. I kind of missed the driver's meeting, not having them. Uh, we have our driver's meeting virtual now, but uh, hopefully one day it'll go back to the old style driver's meeting that we're all been used to over the years. Yeah. Uh, Cuff went back to the traditional style driver's meeting, but uh, I guess Xfinity and truck still doing the, uh, the virtual thing there, but uh, Dominic, uh, you and I, we've been to several of these driver's meetings over the years, and it's so unique, isn't it, seeing that, you know, you have these sponsors showing up, the celebrities show up to the driver's meeting. I mean, the driver's meeting in itself is an event. I, I remember at Daytona, I go to the driver's meeting, and I leave, and I found myself walking the red carpet alongside Jimmy Johnson and Chase Elliott here. I mean – NASCAR, uh, I, I, I'm, I think people would be surprised how big of a deal the driver's meeting is. It's a spectacle, and like you said, they announced the celebrities that are there. They they turned into definitely a great event that you want to be a part of. Or if you can't even be in the driver's meeting room, at least you can see it on the screens in the infield or if you're watching from the grandstands. I know they try to do it on the little closed-circuit televisions around the track pre-race. They're very, very cool. And, and honestly, Tyler, I, I get why they don't do the driver introductions on TV because you run into licensing agreements and licensing issues, I should say, with music. But I feel like the driver's meeting is something that you probably could put on TV or at least have it wrapped up into some sort of like 30-second or 60-second little package of what just happened in the driver's meeting because it really is good. And there's a lot of good information, and I'm glad it has come back on the Cup Series side, but it is a cool part of the NASCAR race week, and it is truly a spectacle. Yeah. Yeah, it is. Uh, the driver's meeting is a, a pretty fun uh, ordeal. And, and David, uh, they, NASCAR takes those pretty serious. I, I remember in the past, like, if a guy missed the driver's meeting or something, like, he's starting in the back. Uh, they, they, they don't mess around about that stuff. No, I mean, when there's a meeting, a mandatory driver's meeting, they you, you don't want to be late or even miss it because they will penalize you. You'll start dead last. And uh, it's a little embarrassing uh, uh, for a driver to walk in 15 minutes late. You know what I mean? It's just embarrassing. Uh, Part of everybody, yeah. Yeah, you know, and, uh, you know, it's happened time and time again. Almost, you know, when we were having our driver's meeting or, or you know, our, uh, you know, how, how we did it before COVID, uh, your traditional driver's meeting. And I was always amazed that somebody would walk in late. It's like, man. You know, was we gone through practice qualifying and you can't get here on time for a freaking driver's meeting, you know? I'm <laughs> like, somebody's not doing their job, you know? Where's the PR people, the crew chiefs, you know? It's like, man, you know, there's really no excuse for that, you know? But uh, but anyway, it happens and things happen. And uh, uh, it was always interesting to, to see who was going to be late or who wasn't going to make it. <laughs> Did, did, were you ever late or missed a driver's meeting, David? Man, I want to say one time, and I'm trying to remember what was going on. Something happened, <laughs> and I don't quite remember 
uh, what it, I wish I could remember what it was. I had a, you know, there's nothing that you can justify, justify missing a driver's meeting. And I don't remember, I think it was 16, 17 years ago. It's been quite a long time, but I did miss one one time, which is, uh, you know, there, again, there's no justification for any of that. You know what I mean? And, and I, and, and I wish I could remember why I missed it. Uh, but whatever the reason is still to justify missing a driver's meeting, you know, it's just nuts to even think about being late or missing one. Well, and then, uh, after the driver's meeting, usually, uh, a lot of people stick around and, uh, they do the, uh, MRO service right there in the, the same driver's meeting room, right? Yeah. You know, it, it kind of puts it all in perspective. I really, um, you know, for us, us, there's a lot of people in our sport that are, are, that are, you know, just, you know, believe in, and, in, 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 you know, that their, their faith is really important and, uh, um, you know, and, and to be able to spend, uh, you know, 30 minutes or 45 minutes uh, in church at the racetrack, because the reality of it is we really, uh, with the way the race schedule is and the we weekend plays out, we don't really get to you know, you're not really at home to go to your traditional church or your or your church you go to when you're home. And uh, I always thought that was so important and always invited uh, my friends, family, and, and, and then our sponsors. Uh, and it was always cool to, to have everybody gather together for a 30 minute time just to spend it, you know, with, with the Lord and just, uh, you know, take care of the important part of the day, you know, and uh, I just think it's cool that, that NASCAR, that that's an important thing for, for NASCAR, the drivers, the team members, everybody involved, you have that opportunity to go to church at the racetrack, you know, and a lot of people don't realize that we do have church service at the racetrack. And it's always, I love it when people learn that that is a church service and you can attend it. It's really cool to see the people that partake in it. I think it's a neat thing. Oh yeah. I would love to have somebody from MRO on the show here sometime, you know, and, and discuss how long they've been doing that in their history. Cause that's one of the unique uh, kind of stories of, you know, the behind the scenes of NASCAR. I don't know how too many people know about and everything. I'd love to chat with somebody from there and you know, get their insights on all that. Um, next question uh, from the inbox. Uh, this one comes from Joe. Joe wants to know, David, how often do you clean your fire suits and how are they cleaned? Are they, put in the laundry or do you, you have to take them to a dry cleaner? Well, that's a great question. And, and, and both ways work. Uh, most often they're dry clean just because, uh, you know, I think doing the laundry, the washing machine and, uh, you know, we, we usually just, you know, uh, when you, when you put them in a dryer, obviously things shrink, you know? So, uh, you know, and in the material, the you don't want the 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 colors, the different colors that a uniform's made of to fade, or even blend in in the white. So uh, it, that's a great question. Uh, most of them, most of mine are usually dry cleaned, and uh, and and but you know, uh, there's been certain situations when we're out west on the west coast swing uh, that you had to find a laundromat and put it in a washing machine. You know what I'm saying? So. Uh, but but majority of the time, uh, the racing team would, uh, when they get back to the race shop after an event, uh, they drop off the crew uniforms, the driver's uniforms, and, and, and the service that the cleaners provide for the racing teams. You know, they'll do it in a day or two, and 
they'll pick it up from the race shop and deliver it back to the race shop. They're pretty uh, Johnny on the spot about that because y'all, you guys know, and most of the fans know that, man, once you get back home, the turnaround is kind of short at times, you know, but it's important to have the, the driver's uniforms clean and the crew members uniforms clean. That's an important part of it. So, uh, uh, but almost every organization race team, has a uh, a laundry service that 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 does does that for the drivers and the whole team. What's the longest you've gone without getting your uh, fire suit cleaned, Devin? <laughs> well, I mean that's a great question. I I would say maybe one race, you know. But man, there's nothing like you know uh, being fresh, you know, putting <laughs> on a fresh uniform and it it's smelling good and, and uh, you know it's just. It's a, it's a, it's I don't know. It's a comfort zone, I guess. You know, I don't know. Uh, putting on an old racing dirty racing uniform on. It's, <laughs> you know, your sponsors want to see you. You know, you, you know, dr uh, you know, want, they want to see you looking sharp with their name on the racing uniform and this and that. And you know, after after you get through racing a three or four hundred mile, five hundred mile race, I mean, you guys know how hot it is at time. You're just sweating your tail off and. Uh, these uniforms get pretty nasty. So uh, I, I think it's important to, to have fresh uh, race uniforms the following week and, uh, you know, and not have to take one that's, that's that stinks and been sweated in big time, you know. So, uh, you know, but to answer your question, I've probably gone a, uh, a week, uh, you know, I probably ran two races on one uniform, which is uh, disgusting. Smells <laughs> <laughs> pretty ripe, I'm sure. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Dominic, I, I would love – maybe we, we find a cooler day or something. You and I, we should cover a race and wear a fire suit at the racetrack. Dude, I have a fire suit. When I got to run some of the stuff at the dirt track here well, in, in Grants, New Mexico, and, man, you burn up really quick in that. And I was even thinking it would be a great thing to work out and, like, to go do the stationary bike or go do a hot fire suit, like driving in a hot car all day. Or, like, man, Tyler, have you even, like, ever – let your car sit, bake in the sun all day, and then you get in and you put the heater on just to simulate what a NASCAR vehicle would feel like. I'm pretty sure that's close to what it would feel like, and that fire suit is just going to add to it. Oh, yeah. I mean, when the race ends, David, like, are you thinking in my mind, how quickly can I get this thing off, like, especially on those hot days? Not really. I mean, you know, it's, uh, you know, uh, all the drivers are athletes, uh, you know, um, you know, I, I like how Dominic kind of portrayed it, you know, go sit in your car on a, on a hot day in Texas where it's 98 degrees and, and, you know, and, and turn the heater on wide open, shut the windows, uh, you know, put on, put on a coat, uh, you know, and you can kind of get an idea of what we're going through, but, you know, you, you, uh, you know, you train for that, those types of conditions, you know, to say that one driver has an advantage over another one because of the environment we race in, uh, I would tell you that that's not true. You know, um, you know, I'd say 99% of the race car drivers that race are pretty, are very, very athletic, uh, and, uh, they're, they're pretty healthy and, uh, most of them work out, watch their diet. So uh, even though we're talking about it right now, it's really not that big of a deal, to be honest with you. Well, and you got AC in the in some of these cars now. I mean, uh, that's changed over the years. I mean, 
Uh, yeah, you know, some of the bigger teams, you see the drivers that get out of there, especially on Sundays, that have a, a quick connect, you know, they have a, a you know, their, their, their fire retardant under, uh, you know, undergarments. Uh, they, you know, there's veins running through them, and, and it's a new system. I'm not really uh, familiar with it because me, my, myself personally, uh, only only air I have, I have a, a, a little uh, AC that runs cold air that blows in my helmet, you know. And if it's 100 degrees inside the race car, or, you know, it, it, it probably drops the temperature about 12 degrees, you know. Just a little bit of fresh air uh, helps you make, you know, better decisions. Uh, but, you know, it's not like you're – Going down the road and in, in, in your in your your Chevrolet Silverado with the air blasting cold and you're freezing and you're very comfortable. That's not that's not the type of AC we have, you know. Right. Uh, but 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 you know, like you said, uh, Tyler, the, the technologies change and these cup drivers, you can see them have that disconnect, you know, on the side of their uniform. I'm not familiar with it because I've not used one. Maybe kind of interesting to see. <laughs> you know how much uh, cooler it is for you to keep your body during a really hot race. Yeah, it's very interesting. Uh, before we go around the road, we're up to this weekend. Uh, David, you and I uh, are headed off to Austin uh, on a Friday night. Going to make the uh, trek down that way. Easy trip for us uh, for a couple days. And, you know, between seeing our friends at the Chasco compound to Wally and Matt Jennings and company, I mean, like uh, – it's a it's a grand old time out there in Austin. It, it's going to be a heck of a weekend. No, it's a great weekend. Great racing. A lot of great friends. A lot of my sponsors will be there that I'll be able to visit with, and uh, uh, you know, so that's always fun. Uh, just you know, working, you know, visiting with teams and seeing the challenges that the, they're they're facing on the track. Uh, and then seeing some great racing, you know. So it's going to be a fun weekend. Looking forward to it. Uh, got a lot of stuff going on right now with some sponsor meetings. Uh, and, and uh, you know, my, my team, Texas High Performance Driving School, based at Texas Motor Speedway. Our racing school is really busy right now. So it's busy times, you know. But it's going to be an exciting weekend of racing there at CODA. And I'm looking forward to going there and watching it and being part of it. Yeah, yeah, should be a great time. Uh, looking forward to being out there, and hopefully we can keep this rain away. Dominic, uh, you will not be joining us. Uh, I will not be joining you. <laughs> uh, but uh, what will you be doing to pass the time uh, besides just thinking about David and I, how much you miss us? Oh, of course, and how much I'm going to be living vicariously through your guys' Snapchat, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok. <laughs> of course, of course. No, I'll be in Santa Fe. I'll be home with the family and looking forward to enjoying the race weekend at home and I love being on the road. I love going to cover the sport, but it's nice to have a weekend at home once in a while too. But I've never been to the Circuit of the Americas. I hope that changes someday soon. Yeah, hopefully we uh, can get you out there soon. It uh, should be a fun weekend. We'll be all over it, and uh, we'll see you back here next week. Uh, make sure, as always, to, to subscribe to show new episodes out each and every Wednesday, Apple, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and YouTube. Leave us a five-star review or don't leave us one at all. Also, check us out social media, facebook.com slash starpodcast, Twitter at starpodcast, and by email, davidstarpodcast at gmail.com. For David Starr and Dominic Odegun, I'm Tyler Jones. Thanks so long. It's been another edition of Let's Go Racing. We'll see you next week.